and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast, the Culture Edit. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Yes, good. Thank you. So today we have um, Brad Richards here, who is Chief Product Officer um, at Lovu, and Lovu um, have been founded um, not too long ago. They are a um, a leader in uh, leading on a European dating app. However, I'm sure you will probably tell it better than I will, um, Brad. So I'll hand over to you. So it'd be really good initially just to find out a little bit, little bit more about what you do, who for, um, and then it'd be great to share your insights um, further into other leadership subjects. Sure. Yeah, so Lavu has been around for uh, about eight or nine years, I believe, roughly. Um, a, a lot of uh, interesting background with regards to uh, the, the leadership team. Um, founded in Dresden um, and then had really great success, you know, especially in the DOC region. Uh, and we've expanded into France, Italy, uh, and Spain as our major markets um, that we operate today. Um, and now, um, you know, we're part of the uh, Parship Meat Group, which is owned by Prozeben. Um, so we have this massive uh, media company behind us in terms of like resources and these type of mm-hmm. things. Uh, and also uh, being part of this large portfolio, we have also the Parship. Uh, Parship product, which also includes eHarmony out in the United States, and also Elitapadna, which is also part of um, uh, a specific demographic that Parship kind of uh, caters towards. And then, of course, we also have the Meat Group, uh, which is based in the United States in the East Coast, um, where they work in uh, the live streaming technology area uh, on a B2C, on a B2B2C kind of basis in terms of uh, integration of their uh, live SDK product into other partners. But also mm-hmm. they have also four owned and operated applications uh, in the dating segment as well. So we're part of a very large uh, dating entertainment communication group, uh, all with under, under the Prozeven umbrella. So yeah. uh, and my job is overseeing the product development and product strategy uh, currently for the Lavu product and uh, also supporting within the group, um, the partnership group overall. Cool. Fantastic. Brilliant. Um Sounds interesting and lots of um, different sort of facets to um, to the role as well. I think before we go into more on that, it'd be really good to kind of just set a bit of context with the listeners and the viewers around, like, you know, given the, the uh, bulk of this podcast is around leadership and journeys, mm-hmm. sharing experiences and knowledge um, as and acting as an inspiration. Um, when we spoke, I think when we spoke, probably a few weeks ago now about getting you on this mm-hmm. podcast um i was really inspired um by your fast sort of quick journey to get to sea level um <laughs> that you and i think you get that you get that re- reaction yourself anyway don't you <laughs> from what you said yeah um yeah. so yeah it'd be really interesting to tell everyone more about how you got into tech like your journey just i guess just really quickly and then we can delve into it in more detail as well of course, I, I, you know, my career, you know, my entire high school and university career was dedicated to be a dental surgeon. That's actually what I went to school for. Right. I went to school at a very top science university in Canada, uh, studying molecular biology and genetics. And I had this whole track of like being a dental surgeon and doing yeah. that kind of stuff because I have British parents. So I was born with horrible teeth and that's just <laughs> the way it is. So I had braces for four years. I had headgear. I had, uh, I don't know, 18 cavities. I had jaw surgery. I've had every oh single uh, dental um, procedure you can have done 
to uh, your face within a, like a five-year window. And I vividly remember uh, when I got my braces off and it was the last one, uh, how awesome I felt. And I walked out with my orthodontist, and uh, she was driving a, a two-seater Jaguar convertible and only worked two days a week. And I thought, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, that's what I you didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize, though, that to be a dentist, uh, you have to be in people's mouths all day, every day. I guess I kind of skipped over that part. And then I kind of hit a crossroads in a couple – in a, like my second year university, I was – I was doing physics and biology and organic chemistry and all these type of things and statistical analysis and calculus and all this stuff. Uh, and I was miserable. So I was just like, all right, I need to graduate with something. Uh-huh. So I switched to um, uh, economics and statistics um, uh, as my degree. Uh, so I took a very uh, long route. I graduated on time, but I took a very uh, – not an easy route. All of my electives mm-hmm. turned into physics and chemistry, which is kind of the university people out there is – not the smartest. You usually take softer classes uh, for your electives. So, and then I had an opportunity to um, either get a double master's. I had this whole vision of like having an MBA and a law degree at the same time, four-year program out in the West Coast of Canada, be like 26 and just like this monster in like downtown Toronto or like London or like New York City, like this major thing. And at the same time, the other opportunity of doing an internship abroad uh, through this uh, student-run organization called Isaac which gives mm-hmm. internships abroad. Uh, lucky for me, the student, uh, sorry, the, 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 the professor who was in charge of both those programs, she was the, the people, she was representing both. So I had a really kind of like deep insight and she did an amazing job of, you know, weighing out the pros and cons of this. And it was like double masters, West Coast, probably more debt, but be 26 and just like rocking. Or 600 bucks a month internship in Portugal. Um, it was a six-month internship. I decided to take it. It was in product management for a small app studio in Porto, Portugal. And I haven't left since. And that was almost 14 years ago um, in Europe. So it turned into this long thing. I ended up loving it. I ended up falling into product management. This is in the early days, early 2011, late 2010, where there wasn't really product managers. I literally right. like Googled my job title. And I could have said key account. I could have said project manager. I could have said product manager. Um, it was very early days, and boy, am I glad I said product manager because mm. I went down this path of um, I worked in Portugal for about three years for an app studio there, doing gaming and uh, mobile marketing and kind of like that app burst kind of stuff back in the day. Then I was uh, looking for a change, uh, and then I moved to Berlin for the first time, um, and I was overseeing the mobile strategy for Por- uh, Polaroid. So uh, it was very interesting working with like hardware and software. But obviously, Polaroid very famously went bankrupt. So I was, if, if you're a dig, if you're a uh, instant photography company, the first guy to go is the digital guy. So I was I uh, was part of the layoffs there. Um, moved back to Canada, uh, started consulting. Uh, was miserable. Got nice and fat. You know all the typical things every uh, mid twenty year old guy goes through. Doesn't know what he's doing in his life. Um, my dad gave me some amazing advice on Christmas Day. He said, Brad, you're sad, fat, and lonely. I need to go back to Europe. So I took that, and uh, it was his nice way of just – and then he said to me very nicely afterwards, he said, I'd rather my son be happy a 1,000 miles away than miserable at home. Yeah. And uh, by, I think, January 15th, I lined up like four interviews in Berlin, and I moved back. And I've uh, now been straight here for nine years, and that was mm-hmm. with um, a music company 
called Magix, where I was overseeing their um, uh, digital music uh, kind of DJing software. Um, I had my first real burnout in that company, burned wow. myself into the ground. Just one of those situations where I was, you, you talked about the growth, and I was really in that early stage of my career where I was just thinking, I just want to take on more and more and more. And yeah. luckily, I've looked 35 since I was 25, so also people thought I was older mm-hmm. than I actually was. And I got this job, and it was like in charge of like 20 people, and I was like 26, 27, mm-hmm. in charge of this massive product, and it was a 70-hour a week, year and a half burnout, just straight into the ground. And uh, I'm hyper aware of these things now because of that job, and I always consult my product managers on this, like, this is not worth it because in the end it was just one of those things that like the company wasn't doing it but I was almost expecting it of myself and yeah and then I had yeah was it the same on that note it'd be interesting like apologies I know you've not finished talking about your journey it's a a really good (laughs) um I mean burnout is such a um common um topic and it's not talked about enough um in the workplace how did you recognize that you'd you know kind of hit burnout and then and I'll, I'm gonna ask you two questions in one here actually how did you recognize that you'd hit burnout but then also how did you or what did you implement and what are you doing what have you done since to pull yourself back out of it and then stay on course yeah there was this no turning off right yeah I, I couldn't turn off was my biggest thing so I'd leave work and I'd always be it all be on my mind I'd be trying to do this and I was only talking about work and it was just really like all ever consuming and I think it's fine to be in that position where you're always kind of talking about work or like you know you're passionate about it but I was it was coming from a position of like misery it wasn't coming from passion it was coming from uh what is this I hate this I gotta do this oh my god I gotta do this I was traveling a ton I was uh that was also part of it as well. I was living in hotels for like three days a week. Mm. Um, and I, I just wasn't, I also, I also just wasn't emotionally equipped. I was too young. I was just too, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. So it's very hard to like navigate those situations where you're still trying to be a, an adult. I mean, you still have 26. to learn as well. Like it's, yeah. yeah. It's you're still learning. I was 26, 27. I can't remember exactly my age, but I was, yeah. I was in my mid twenties and I was responsible for, I think it was like nine engineers, two sound engineers, yeah. uh, content team, uh, another product team, uh, designers, and also a massive, massive product because mm. uh, there was a CEO in charge of this one division, uh, but he was, he was gone the first week I started and quit. So oh they didn't rehire. <laughs> so I wasn't hired to do that position. So I came yeah. as a senior PM, but I kind of just almost took on the responsibility myself. Yeah. And uh, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. I thought I could do it and I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I could do it. The job, the results were excellent, but I just like went to the floor. And in terms of like, like fixing it, um, I I mean, there's this very simple way is that we're not brain surgeons. Like no one's going to die. Like no one's going to die. There are situations where you need to work the night and get stuff done. But just simply not sweating the small things, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just really putting things into context. Like, if I don't, what happens if I don't do it now? Yeah. Is it really gonna cost the business a ton of money? Or am I gonna have data privacy issues? Or am I gonna have legal issues? Or these type of things. If, if, I, if I don't have those issues, I'm really not going to like kill myself. It can wait till the next morning. 
That's um, yeah. one of those things they kind of put in. Yeah, I know that's... I, I've been there before as well. I've had burnout um, and... I remember actually I had um, my son and uh, mm. I was at that point I was trying to get into work I'd been I, I was a kind of early bird in work working right. locking back on when I got home um, and I remember in the mornings you know I'd be trying to shove shove a bottle of milk down in and then yeah. work and then get into work for half seven and I remember the best bit of advice I had at that time that just stuck with me was my ex-husband said to me um, you need to remember that you're not running an emergency services. Yeah. It's like, yeah, actually, you know, if you're in late by five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, no one's going to die. No one cares. And no one cares either. People yeah. also, there's also like this... It's self- just all in you, but but you get to a point yes. where there's so much noise in your head, it's really difficult to get out of it, isn't it? Like... Yeah, it's also turning off as well. I mean... Yeah. Also, I mean, as a sea level, you know, people like... You, you also think like you're indisposable and yada yada yada. But if if, if you mm. put yourself in that situation where your team is relying on you for every decision, then you you're not doing a good job as a leader. You need to be able to turn off. So, and you need to be able to take a vacation because you are useless to everybody if you're tired, irritable, yeah. exhausted. Mm. It's just not yeah. going to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Sorry. Should we go back to your <laughs> journey? Yeah. To- I mean, yeah. It was a real. It was a real kind of shift for me that kind of burned yeah. and I kind of was like thinking about what I wanted to do um, and this was kind of a, a coincidence it was just it was 20 uh, end of 2015 and um, mm-hmm. uh, this is when the whole innovation kind of jump was kicking off corporate innovation within companies and I always had this dream of working in a think tank because I just thought working in a think tank is the coolest thing ever yeah. and I actually got a job founding uh, a think tank at Daimler it was um so I was a founding employee there, um, and then there were two other guys hired with me at the same time, and there was just three of us, and it was they put us in a co-working space um, mm-hmm. in Berlin, and they said, we need ideas for the trucking industry, and they closed the doors, and they gave us like six months, seven months to build out ideas uh, and stuff like that, and it was I was there for over three years, and uh, it was excellent. It was an amazing experience, mm-hmm. and that was a complete – I was working way harder in that job than I was uh, before, but it's almost like I had a purpose. I was doing something a bit more, it was, it was challenging me in the right ways. Yeah. So it was a very amazing opportunity. And then, you know, we ended up shipping some amazing products, um, which then got us board um, recognition with Dieter Zetsche and these other things. And then from there, they, we scaled up the division to four places uh, across the world in Berlin, Stuttgart, uh, Beijing, and Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and we ended up hiring I think over 400 people, I think, in the end, or 350 people. I don't know where it was. Um, so it was a very interesting uh, point. And then then from there, I had, like, a shift in, like, I wanted to do something a bit more socially conscious. So I was uh, I joined a uh, an innovation uh, startup around social innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I was a innovation advisor for the UN, which is, like, it was, like, an informal role where, like, we could work with around uh, sustainability and these type of things. So I was working for a very cool, just a, I wanted to try my foot in this kind of area. Uh, I worked with like H&M, Ernst & Young, um, the Goots Institute, and a bunch of other people um, around like social innovation and these mm-hmm. type of things, and circularity and sustainability and all these different types of things. It was a very cool to kind of like put my uh, bit more of the consulting kind of hat on again with regards to how does processes work and these type of things. Um, and then from there, I went to Deconium, which is the digital wing of Volkswagen here in Berlin. 
massive development um, yeah. division of Volkswagen. They do it's not part of Carryad now. Um, and then COVID hit, and then COVID hit when I was there, yeah. and it, the automotive industry just took was like halted. It just like stopped, yeah. Yeah. and I had you know we were this was during the you know, I was there for about two and a half years, and then. I was approached uh, from a headhunter for this job at Levu as a C-level, and I was always a director, senior director. Was, was that your first, yeah, is this your first C-level role? Yeah, so yeah. I was a senior. I was a senior PM um, with the with Daimler. It was kind of difficult because there was no like real titles in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then we had to scale, and then we kind of like match where we were. Mm-hmm. So I was like a senior lead, whatever yeah. product manager. And then when I went to um, uh, the consulting firm, I was a director of innovation. So that was my first director job. And then I was a, a director of mobile products and uh, product development at uh, Deconium and Volkswagen. So then I had a larger team there. I had about, uh, about 13 engineers overseeing the, and also consulting with uh, Volkswagen on their, their we portfolio. So like we part, mm-hmm. we share, or we fuel, all these different types of things. Um, so that was my real thing. So I had that experience now for about three, four years yeah. of actually being in charge because there's a difference between being a product manager and being in charge of the team, but then being like a director and being like the disciplinary, the um, you know development plans and also the work. There's a very big difference in terms of that because yeah. you're also responsible for their well-being. Yeah. Are you still hands-on at all? Or? Very. All right. Very hands-on. I, I mean, it's... Um, when I came in at Lavu, so then I came in at Lavu uh, about almost two years ago, mm. and uh, it was during that big exit uh, within the market of, uh, of there was a lot of uh, change. Um, you know, the uh, at Lavu, the uh, we had a, a whole change of management. There were new mm. uh, the new CFO, uh, new MDs were kind of in. They were only in the role for a few months. Um, the COO left, and then I was coming in to replace it as a CPO role. So it was a lot of turmoil. Yeah. This kind of time, and luckily the the C level and I, like um, uh, my CFO, uh, him and I, really just kind of like sat down and just really worked on how can we work on retention of the, of the employees, uh, and how can we get them excited about things to work on, and that was one of the biggest things I was missing. So they needed the the company needed a very concrete, uh, actionable uh, product roadmap, and uh, yeah. uh, working with working with my excellent colleagues here, we built out one. To, to really just address the problems that everyone's been feeling for years, and we've spent the past two years changing a lot, and the the results speak for themselves. So the team here has just been excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, we really kind of lit a fire under the people here, so it's been great. But uh, it was it was a long uh, journey to get there. Yeah. Okay. And what um, the journey? It was obviously a long journey to get there. Mm-hmm. What in what's changed for you progressing into C a C suite role, um, and how has that impacted your um, you know kind of I guess the way that you are as a leader because obviously you've, sure. been, you've been a leader for a number of years but yeah. is being a leader at C level yeah the biggest thing challenges yeah the biggest thing is the first thing is that your words have weight and that was one thing that you underestimate is that like when you say something people listen to it more than take it like a hundred percent for face value they won't like yeah. infer differently because you're saying it um that took a little bit of adjusting too 
Uh, and also, I always tell my team this a lot of the times and other people I work with, um, that you should be friendly, but it's at a sea level, you can't be friends. There's a big difference, yeah. There's a difference sometimes. Um, you know, I'm a very friendly guy, and I, I, I've gone out for drinks with some of my colleagues before, and, you know, we have great times and stuff like that. Um, but this is also where I've seen uh, some of my friends in the mar- uh, in the uh, Berlin tech team. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be tough because also if you get promoted through an organization, and that's really where the issues come up, is that let's say you grew up working with these people as a senior PM or yeah. as a senior yeah. X or whatever, yeah. and you come up and you become a C-level or a VP or whatever, yeah. and now those people are not at your level, being friends and being friendly, it's very – it's a tight line to walk. I was a bit easier because I came in clean. So I could mm-hmm. – I made a conscious effort to be approachable and transparent in how we work together. But, um, you know, that was the first big thing because when I worked at Daimler, my house was like – I lived right down the streets. We'd, would call, we'd work till like 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock at night. We'd go back to my place, have some beers. <laughs> and then we'd be up at 6 a.m. to go on a plane to Stuttgart, right? It was the yeah. hardcore consulting yeah. kind of uh, way of working. Now I don't do that for multiple reasons because being a C-level, you have to this, this responsibility to uh, uh, for the business yeah. and uh, just like liability issues. It's just yeah. part of the part of the role. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think that you know? There's plenty of people out there who. Um, have probably got similar background to yourself have sure. you know tried to you know your career and your journey you know you've you've you rapidly got to sea level like it's happened pretty like quick and obviously i'm not suggesting at all that it's happened easily because yeah i was 32 i think a lot, I was yeah like you put but you've put a lot of blood sweat and tears into that yeah. journey and career to get to get you to where you are today um, we have a lot of aspirational um, leaders listen and, and view to um, the podcast as well. And I think it'd be really good to offer them some advice as to what they sure. can do differently. Um, you know, how you made that leap and jump from the previous role into LaVue as a CPO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I was just going to say, I often get people saying well, that, you know, I want to get to sea level, but yeah. have the challenge of I don't already have it on my CV. So right. how do I get it? How do I make that jump? So the first thing is uh, you have to show uh, you have to show leadership capabilities and you can make the tough decisions. So that's the first yeah. thing is that whatever your role is, you, you first need to progress from, you know, I can work within a team. Got it. And then it's like, now I can lead a team to execute something really well. So I'm not a official leader, but people look to me to be a leader, right? The next thing is then, of course, leading a team from a disciplinary, progressive, like strategic standpoint, right? And then there's multiple teams you need to be in charge of. And then you can kind of get into the C-level because that's all it really is. I think a good C-level, you need to be able to jump from meeting to meeting of topics that are completely unrelated. So I will go from an interview of a junior designer or something like that as like listening in to a legal meeting 10 minutes later, right? About a EU topic about privacy policy or something like that, right? And then flip to um, somebody from my team is not unhappy about their development in the career, right? So the biggest thing is you need to be able to switch gears quickly because CPOs, um, 
COOs, uh, CEOs, those titles where you're a bit more cross-functional. Yeah. Um, it's difficult at times. A, a lot of colleagues have that issue of that switch of mm-hmm. like being able to refocus. I, I just got out of a, a heated meeting with one of my product managers and they weren't happy about something about their career or something going on in their private life. And then I got to switch to like, you know, a legal meeting or I got to switch to a, a board meeting about our, our quarterly numbers, right? So the mentally able to switch is, is difficult. But the young people trying to progress, they have to do it for the right reasons. They have mm-hmm. to. I don't think my <laughs> CV is a good indication of how you should do it because I, I, I got lucky, Was mm-hmm. but I also took massive risks. And I think you only get lucky when you take risks. And I, I mean, I never lived in Portugal. I didn't speak Portuguese. And I was broke and had $45,000 in student loan debt. And I was making 600 bucks a month. Um, and I, me and my roommate, we used to push our pennies together at the end of every month. And like, you know, we, we, we hustled for like a good two years living on mm-hmm. nothing. Um, it was just enough for us to like live and go out and like have a good life. And I just figured, um, you know, it, it took a lot of risks to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then I moved to Germany for another risk and I got opportunities, right? So if you really want to kind of get that, that straight trajectory, you got to be able to take risks and you've got to be willing to take risks. The second you're like, I want to work in this area and in this industry and this city and this job title and these responsibilities, it's going to be tough where, I mean, I've worked in gaming to photography, to consulting, to uh, music, to micro mobility and trucking and Daimler to innovation, to, back to mobility and now a dating app and I'm a married man <laughs> with twins in Berlin so like you just got to be open yeah risks. yeah absolutely I think it's one of those things isn't it? like you've hit the nail on the head there with openness like being open because you don't not turning closing any doors because you just sure. don't know what opportunities are out there and it and it is, it is it is difficult I think for some for some people because there's a yeah. whole host of um, emotions that kick in and prevent people sometimes from for those uh, reaching for those goals. Um, so you can do it if you have those requirements. Just don't expect it to be like a. From I started as an intern and then like yeah. ten years, eleven years, ten years later, C level, right? And that was with massive risk, moving away, not going home for two years, not seeing my family for that. Like that is a very working sixty-hour weeks, right? I don't yeah. suggest that I'm at all. Like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I used to look a lot younger, right? There's, there's, there's a toll it takes on you, right? But this, I'm not saying like you can get there to a C level. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't want it to be like I don't think people should just like look at one, like look at me for example, and say yeah. that's the blueprint. There is no blueprint, right? I just think mm-hmm. that taking risks uh, and to, and being opportunistic has given me the ability to move up faster. But yeah. if that's not your style, it doesn't mean you're not going to get there eventually. Yeah. I just think that yeah, you can be optimistic to people. Points. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What would you, I'm interested then, because obviously your career has, you know, you've fast-tracked your career. It's um, mm. due to the risks and the hard work that you've put in. Um, if you could do it all over again, mm. is there anything that you would do differently? And what would that, what would that look like? It's a tough one because I thought I actually had a conversation with my wife uh, about this because she's also very senior 
product person as well uh, oh, okay. in, uh, working so her and I are very similar profiles yeah uh, career trajectories so we actually had this conversation the other night and uh, it's I don't regret any decisions I made because I made them for the right thing the I guess uh, the only the only thing I would have changed is I probably would have just enjoyed my 20s a bit more I mean and relaxed a bit I think that I just got so hung up on some yeah. things. Uh, and I definitely, um, I wish I acknowledged the burnout faster, but I just wasn't, I think that was a blessing in disguise because it, it really, it really kind of like brought me back down to earth because I always mm -hmm. had this like hyper aggressive mentality, very classic white guy in Canada, business school, <laughs> like persona of like, oh, I'm going to get my MBA, I'm going to get my law degree and I'm going to, no actual trajectory of where I was going to work. Mm. So let me keep that in mind. It was like this yeah. like image of just power and, and that kind of stuff and like being responsible and then I got responsible for things and I crashed and burned so mm -hmm. like it was like this very sobering experience that like okay I need to actually you know be passionate about like these type of things yeah. people that are in school right now there's also a very sobering reality that I also have when I started my first job is when I sat down and I went oh this is it this is it now. There's no summer break. There's no exam break. This yeah. is it now. This is it. And it was a very wild feeling to sit down at a computer and be like, oh, I'm coming here every day. Yeah. Every day. And this guy's been here for 10 years. And my dad's been at his job for like 30 years. And you're like, holy, I need to really adjust if I like it or not. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, for some of us, it's it's what we do differently is just enjoy it a little bit more to yeah. go down that pace and, um, yeah, just kind of take it for what it is and, and enjoy it more. Um, well, there's just so many social media people out there just saying, oh, grind, do this, you can hustle, like, you need to do a side hustle on your nine to five. You don't. You really don't because yeah. uh, some people can do that and if they can and they can hack that kind of lifestyle, all the power to you. There are some people who can navigate the life like that and do it, right? Mm. But if you don't enjoy it and you're not like passionate about it, then I would—you're just doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, you're just 100 percent doing the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and lastly, what what advice would you give to people entering into um, a C-suite C-suite role for the first time? Mm. Listen. Uh, is the first thing I spent my first two months just sitting back and listening to people. Yeah. That was what I did. I just listened. Um, because there's this perception that you come in and you should know everything and be able to fix it. And if you bring that into the role, uh, first off, everyone's going to hate you. I mean, right out of the gate, if you bring that kind of like, I'm here to fix everything or I'm the new sheriff in town, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Leave that um, go outside, basically. Leave it. <laughs> leave it. You really gotta. You really gotta t set your ego at the door, and you gotta listen uh, mm -hmm. to people. And the second advice I have is is um, you need to think back to when you were like ten years ago working, and how you were so critical of the C level. Mm -hmm. Maybe like, oh, they made these dumb decisions. The idea, yada, yada. You had this arrogance about you when you were like twenty five, twenty four. Yeah. I know a lot of the listeners will be thinking that, like, they think they can do the job better than their C level, right? Yeah. And yeah. then I think also you need to bring that empathy uh, to your role because you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a ton of criticism about yeah. your decisions, and you need to be you have thick skin and be able to take it. 
but also take it with a grain of salt because these people, they just don't know better. And it's and you were that same person eight, nine, ten, twelve years ago. Yeah. So who are you to judge them for doing the things that you were doing? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and that's the thing is that until you've been in that position, you can't have really have that empathy and understanding. So I think it's easier to then understand when you are. Um, yeah. And don't overstretch yourself. There are also, I always tell C-suites this as well, other colleagues, there's there's a big yeah. difference between need to know and want to know, right? You are, C-levels are always dragged into a lot of meetings and they yeah. need to be in a lot of meetings because whether they're gestures or managing directors or they're responsible, there's a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. If you can cut those meetings from your life, like mm-hmm. do it there's there's yeah. there's like also this perception that you're a c level you need to be in meetings all day every day and just grinding it's like that you were hired to be strategic yeah. that's why you were hired you can't be strategic in meetings you need time especially in products you need time to sit down whether on your computer or a whiteboard or thinking however you creative process is best done mm-hmm. um downloading competitor apps looking at better products whatever it is Mm. You were hired for strategy, not for like small things here and there. And if you don't dedicate yourself enough time to be strategic, you're useless. You're just might as well just be another head of and just running yeah. a department, right? Because heads are super important for operational work, right? You're the one bringing the strategy. If you can't bring the strategy, then your worth isn't there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's difficult. I think it's difficult when you're at sea level to not you yeah. said before about need and want that yeah. you can kind of you think you need this need. you want this yeah you want it. it's it's one it's 50 percent of the time maybe even more yeah. it's you want to know you, you want, want to be involved but then there is also that element of getting pulled in and dragged into things that you're you can't let go of because you want to know I agree. Um, I mean, there's also, but you think you also have this weird thing in the beginning, this ego of I finally got my C level title. Yeah, I'm being everything. Uh, 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 uh. Well, <laughs> I don't need to be in the marketing strategy for our campaigns in this. I'd like to know, sure, but it took me a while also to be comfortable with this, like canceling meetings and literally saying this meeting is not necessary, or yeah. cutting down time, or you know, consolidating things and really rethinking because also your team needs time. Like everybody needs time to sit and think, right? Yeah. You can't, everybody needs to do strategy to some degree or whatever, right? Whether you're an engineer and you're looking to try to solve a problem or you're a product manager trying to launch this new feature or a designer or whatever, right? Everybody needs that kind of like breathing time. So okay. I think that ha- bringing that kind of culture as a C-level, that's, I mean, allowing them to like be free of these meetings is important. And I don't mean, which a lot of C-levels do, is like, okay, let's have a dedicated think time from one to two o'clock. And it's like, that's not really how it works. You can't like just be like, oh, I'm gonna be creative now. Now's creative time. And then at two o'clock it's over. It's more of a ongoing thing. If you kind of build it into your work culture and just like, have those spaces, feed your team with the right information, giving them the strategic kind of input, challenging them on their decisions. You can build in that kind of creative strategic culture into your team because what you want them to do is you also want them to move yeah. up the ladder as well. Right? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, it's been really interesting um, delving into your journey and your experience. I feel like um, you've offered some really valuable um, insights. Um, it would be really useful for our, our listeners and viewers. So thank you very much for that. Um, Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, yeah no worries. It's been, uh, it's been great. If anyone wants to reach out to you, um, I don't know if you ever get involved in providing um support mentorship anything like that outside of i have done, yeah i have in the past uh linkedin is the best way to find me i've done mentorship cool. mentorship i did some uh, also for um i work with uh, different uh startup accelerators in berlin uh from a, a seed investment angel investment that type of thing yeah but also from a consulting standpoint i've worked i work with a few um also university startups in toronto uh, and most of them just done through uh, LinkedIn. So yeah. find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there, too active there. <laughs> but, uh, that's the easiest way to reach out to me. Yeah, you're great. I mean, when I first reached out to you, you was just, yeah, fantastic with uh, coming back yeah, to sure. communicate. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's brilliant. And it, it's it's part of the role as well, though, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. build, building on that personal branding. So Yeah, it's a part of the game. Yeah, but uh, I, I like it. I love. Uh, I love my position. I. I, um, I have no regrets. Uh, it's tiresome at times. It's difficult at times. But um, to be uh, in the position to actually impact people and change things is 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 what I've always wanted in my career. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to be in that position. Yeah, it's very rewarding, isn't it? If you enjoy it, then sure. it's very rewarding. Yeah, and you see people excited about what the work you're putting forward. Yeah, and results, and you can really go my team and I did that we did that yeah. and, and people told us no but we still did it and it worked out and like this kind of like camaraderie kind of uh, mindset is, is always super rewarding yeah so, and then all of a sudden you get a, a bad app review and it's all gone so it's you know we have the ups and downs we have the ups and downs yeah they're there the challenges aren't they the challenges in that role and being at that level unfortunately some yeah, yeah. um Fantastic. Well, brilliant. Well, thanks again for your time. It's been lovely having you on as our guest, and I look forward to uh, releasing the podcast very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandra. Take care. Cheers.